Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be in with you on Wednesday. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Officially official this morning as the Big Ten not only revisited football, they reversed their decision. It was all in unison. It was all happy. We're happy. Great to be with you today. It's Hail Varsity, uh, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Give us a shout. How are you feeling today as a Nebraska fan? We felt good yesterday, and then we waited. And then you got the sign. It wasn't quite smoke from the Vatican. It was just uh, 10th and Vine. The old gray lady lit up in red last night. And the Big Ten making their official announcement this morning. You have Big Ten uh, press conference. Uh, We'll hear from Barry Alvarez. Commissioner Warren will try and dodge some arrows from the question and answer session. You can tune in for that. And Bill Moose and Ronnie Green sat down this afternoon as well. That's coming up. Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Uh, Mr. Husker football, 40 years and counting with this in about 15 minutes. Mike Shuhart, we're hoping to hear from Shuey. It is a major weekend on the golf course. Brad Edwards, college football insider with ESPN and college game day. And Uncle Jerry is coming by. Coach DiNardo kicked things off with the Big Ten Network. He'll be with us, and you can join us now at 466-3776-800-825-5865. Elijah, I know you're smiling. You're a huge football guy. Uh, it's going to be weird uh, because it's it's like you, we, we got our cake, we just can't eat it, i.e., no fans in the stands. You, di- you didn't get everything. I'm not going to bitch and moan. You, you, you got football back. It's just going to be, a, honestly, a bit of a tightrope to still pull off. I mean, I, I still have just had a smile on my face all day. This has been Same great news. Here. I've been smiling all day, too. This has just been like the news I've been waiting to hear for the past month. The 30, whatever, 35, 36 days of hell we just lived through 36. are over. You counted, didn't you? I, I, I counted. I knew it was around five weeks. It, it's 36 days since August 11th. Uh, 37 days since uh, the University of Illinois came out with rapid testing the day before the, the, the plug was pulled. But when we talk about stringent protocol, let's, let's get into the definition of stringent. And uh, you have daily antigen tests for players, which is great. The, the fact that, that student-athletes are going to be able to be tested every single day leaves zero room for error, right? Uh, you have player tests. If they test positive, they can't compete for 21 days, and you've got a positivity rate that needs to uh, stay below 5%. If that number gets above, that's total number of positive tests divided by number of tests. That is, no games, no soup for you, no practice for seven days. We will start on October 24th. I thought it might have been the 17th. We'll get some info on that. Vic out in Colorado is already saying, okay, give me some schedule information. 
and that'll be released later in the week. What I do think schedule-wise, I think you're going to get Rutgers shaved off. Fine with me. I still love you, Noah Vedral. And you're going to get Nebraska probably at Ohio State, and I think you're probably going to get Penn State here. I mean, you're going to have six games. You're going to have your two crossovers, not three. And then I love what Barry Alvarez and the scheduling committee did. I love this plus one. It's really cool. It keeps you in, 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 the, in the eyes of college football fans, even if you don't get to the Big Ten championship. I'm not every kid gets a ribbon guy. But this is cool. It, it's an extra game. And it's about being meaningful so you get nine games. So I was talking with my buddy Lars Anderson earlier today. He does radio and he's a pretty nationally renowned writer and, and author uh, when it comes to covering sports and he's locked in. And you got SEC people bitching and moaning down there that, well, it's not fair. The Big Ten's only play a nine. And I'm just kind of like, look, SEC, back up a minute, man. You've played your stupid eight-game conference schedule forever. You guys play non-conference games in November. Yes, to the tune of wherever Bobby Bowden or a Bowden family member attended that's not even Division One. I. I said that. I was like, look, this is kind of a unique year. Uh, the fact that, that Big Ten football is back on is a minor, minor miracle. And we're talking Flutie to, to Gerald Phelan in the end zone a little bit. This didn't look like it was going to happen. Momentum's picked up. Now teams can go back to work. And your factor here is rapid testing and your cardiac screening. Those pass the smell test with the bow tie crowd and folks that have letters after their name because they're smart and they went to med school. You got a lot of them in the Big Ten. There was enough evidence, support, and comfortable feelings specifically with daily testing, that you're covering your backside here. And it's really going to come down to discipline of your team, of your your leaders in that locker room, and making sure that your positivity rate stays below that 5% number so you're not put in the corner for seven days. And with daily testing, that will happen. So this is a great day. Smile if you're a Nebraska fan. I hope, and I don't know if it will, but I hope it will get revisited about fans in the stands. That sucks that that you can't have fans. There used to be a really cool program at Nebraska where families could adopt a Husker, right? And I remember it, man. We're talking fourth grade lunchroom, Ruth Hill Elementary, and one of the Husker wideouts, uh, Rod Smith, sat down at the lunch table. There was a gal whose family adopted Rod Smith. So Rod went to, to, to school lunch with this gal in our fourth grade class. And the table filled up immediately with, with guys who thought girls were gross in fourth grade. <laughs> Because a Husker wide receiver put his sack lunch down. Now we're going to have to flip it around. We're going to have to have Husker players adopt fans so more people can get in there. Because it is just is just family only right now. That's the outlook for who's going to be able to be allowed at Memorial Stadium. Bill Moose will have more comments and thoughts as we move forward when it comes to, to people in the stands and just how creative Nebraska can get. Maybe Nebraska will do some sort of cutouts. The thing that I am, I am so excited for, not only for the, the student-athletes because they've worked their butt off to play, Nebraska and Scott Frost did, did not stay quiet, did not go to their room. 
they spoke up when they said something, some, some, some BS going on here. And the Nebraska administration was in lockstep with them. Nebraska made this possible with a lot of heavy-handed help from Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan. But the thing that's great, too, along with the kids getting to do what they love, and that's play college football, and the and it's a brutal silver, silver, silver lining uh, that you can't have fans, but you can have football. You're going to be able to go pack the mom and pop spots around the capital city safely, of course, but you're going to be able to go patronize the folks that have been hurting for months because of stupid COVID. You're going to be able to go spend money as a Nebraska fan with your fellow Nebraskans and watch this team do well in 2020. You just won't be able to watch it in person. You'll have to watch it either at home or hopefully you'll find a spot. You'll be able to get into a spot. It'll be safe. And you'll be able to go spend money with folks that really could use your support. That's that's the side of this that, okay, this can work. And there's a lot of spots in Lincoln that could uh, sure use your butt on a bar stool. Spaced out, of course. Masked up when you're not eating or drinking. So I think that that can be a very positive thing. And while we're, while we're talking about folks in the capital city and folks around the great state of Nebraska where they hear us out west and in northeast Nebraska, while you're at it in this great mood with football returning, go find your favorite shop that sells Husker gear and go drop some money with them because they've been waiting for this too. Go get you a Husker sweatshirt. Go get you a jersey. Get you a lid. Dare I even say get yourself a cornhead in celebration today. So we are moving forward. There is football. I have no doubt Nebraska will be safe and ready to play. They will ramp up. They will recapture momentum. And they'll have a hell of a run game and an offensive line and a hungry quarterback. And a team that is going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. What does the rest of the league do? I'm not worried about Ohio State. I'm not worried about Michigan. I'm not really worried about Iowa or Penn State. I'm not really worried about Minnesota because Fleck wants the spotlight. And and if they win two games this year, last year is forgotten. Okay, I'm worried about some of these teams that were a problem. And that's Northwestern and Illinois because of their state mandates about contact. And I'm worried about Maryland, and I'm worried about Rutgers. But now with these daily rapid testing protocols, it's going to ease things and allow them to have contact and and jump into into gear. Let's spend a couple of minutes here. Bill Moose uh, with his press conference. He is so right on the money. A day of celebration here around the great state of Nebraska. This truly is a celebration. Uh, a lot of hard work. Um, I think over 125 at last count uh, Zoom meetings by the athletic directors every morning since uh, mid-March. Um, we, we got a setback in August and we went back to it, found a way that uh, was approved um, by the presidents and chancellors, and I'm very excited about that. Our players want to play, our coaches want to coach, and our fans want to watch. We're going to be able to do all these things now, and and that's why it is a celebration. Uh, And I believe, uh, and, and very strongly, that the state of Nebraska, Nebraska needs football. 
And believe me, uh, in the world I live in, football needs Nebraska. And uh, we're going to be able to deliver that, and I'm very, very excited. So look forward to questions. I think we may not have all the answers, but uh, I think uh, we got quite a few. So carry on. Well done, Bill Moose. Well done, Ronnie Green. Well done, Scott Frost. Well done, Teddy Ballgame. More coming here from Ronnie Green in just a moment. We'll take some of your calls. Again, the numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Find us on Twitter, at Schmidt underscore radio, or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Jeff, thanks for hanging on the line. Go ahead. Jeff, we got you. Hello, Jeff. Maybe not. Did he drop? We'll pick him up. Let's see what's going on. First, let's hear from Ronnie Green. We got time for Ronnie Green? Let's try Jeff one more time. Okay. Jeff, do we got you now? Sorry about that. Nope. All right. Yeah. This could be an issue. Let's hear from Ronnie Green. It's a good day for Nebraska. It's a good day for being able to return to competition. We look forward to that and the excitement that will come with that for everyone who is anticipating it and and wanting it so badly. Um, There's something to be said about hope here. You know, we live in a tough time. We live in a time that is challenging for everyone, um, that we're the time we're living in, and I am really hopeful because we're being able to move forward. We're being able to try and to make this work, and we're trusting that it's going to work. And I I thanked earlier our players, uh, their families, our coaches, our staff, Bill and his leadership team for everything that's been done to get this work done and be able to be at this point. Uh, We've been aligned in Nebraska from the top down on what we believe is the right thing to do and moving forward, and it's an exciting day to be able to move forward. It's been a good day, and can't echo that enough from Ronnie Green, a celebration from Bill Moose. Jeff is now connected. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, thank you for putting me on the show. Um, no matter what ESPN and others uh, say, I really do believe Scott Frost deserves more credit for getting this issue back on the table and for getting a, a Big Ten football season up and running. He deserves as much credit as Ohio State's head coach, if not more. I think the lawsuit from the Husker 8 uh, put this front and center. But I want to know, do you think that uh, President Trump uh, wanting the Big Ten playing uh, football, do you think he that, that that had any persuasion in this? I think it, um, it, it did not hurt things when the commander-in-chief, wherever you lie politically, weighs in on football. Uh, that gets the world's attention, if not the Big Ten footprint's attention. And when you've got all of these forces moving forward to play, that's the president, that's senators, that is congressmen, that's parents, that's players, that's coaches, and some in the media as well. All of that perfect storm came together, Jeff, and it helped push it forward. Well, absolutely. And go big red. Can't wait for the season. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. What's Trump's role in this? Depends who you ask. Depends who you're talking to and how they voted, right? So that was uh, Bill Moose and Ronnie Green. Uh, the the topic of fans: Do we have time or no? Too tight. Uh, too tight. Now we'll get into that with Mike Babcock, the no fan edict by the Big Ten. 
Um, level of disappointment for you on that. It was going to be a tight window, possibly anyway, but you'll still get to see Nebraska football as we talk today and moving forward. How much football? How far do we get? What's the ramp up like? How disciplined will teams remain? You're going to have rapid testing, but the Big Ten said, all right, you want football? We'll revote. You got it. It's extremely stringent. It's a high-wire act they got to walk. I can't wait to see them keep their balance. Mike Babcock's next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery Football Bank, officially with the Big Ten. And we say hi to a Husker historian, author, Hall of Famer, four decades of Big Red Excellence, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, did you think you'd see today? Uh, no, I didn't. I did not see. think I would see today um, in the context of what we've got. You know, there was talk about football uh, maybe at the end of the year or late November or whatever, but I would not have expected this. And you can hear what Carly Simon singing anticipation in the background now or <laughs> something like that. Um, no, I was, I was surprised, but you know, as early in the week, you know, when we had all the speculation, you kind of wondered if maybe there wasn't some movement in the direction of, uh, trying to get something done. Babbers, how, how ready do you think Nebraska can be? It, it doesn't look like that you'll be able to pad up till the end of September until the testing protocols are in place. Now, Nebraska's secured their own kind of rapid testing deal, so their protocols are in place, but not everybody in the league is in the same spot. So... We're talking, uh, you know, 14 days, two weeks till they can pad up, which, man, uh, whatever. Uh, but the good news is we have football. But when it comes to, to Reddy and, and Bill Moose, uh, some of his final thoughts today, that he thinks the team has a chance to be pretty good. I mean, what's your level of optimism here now that, that football's back? Where, where can Nebraska take this 2020 season? You know, I don't really have a good sense of that because I don't know, you know, it kind of factoring in what you just said about the preparation, various programs, where they are. Nebraska's in a in a good position uh, already, and so um, that affects your mindset, I think, how you think about it. The passion that Nebraska showed uh, in trying to get this thing done, that shows something. Um, and I think those things factor in, not just – how good you are on the field, but you know what your mindset is, the mentality, and and so I think that gives Nebraska an edge. But I, you know, I still think it's going to be uh, very competitive for Nebraska in the division, in the division race. And I hope, I I really hope that you know there's an opportunity to play those eight games. You know, because it's not just Nebraska, and I think you kind of touched on this, but uh, you're you're also uh, dependent upon uh, the other programs, the teams that you're going to schedule, the teams that you're going to play uh, in your division, and then two that are going to be not in your division. And um, so so you think that those two and not in the division is going to be Ohio State and Penn State, right? Pardon me? You think Ohio State and Penn State are going to be 
the two non-division teams that Nebraska is going to draw. I think that I think that's the highest interest level. Honestly, I mean, you're, you you got to take care of your TV people, and I know Nebraska may not be Ohio State ready. I don't know that their their gap is narrowed from a talent level standpoint with both of those schools, but I want to see you give it a shot against them. And I think if you ask Frost and some of the players, not trying to speak for them, but as a competitor, you want to kind of play the best, don't you? Well, yeah, I think you do. I think you do. But uh, you know, you have to factor that in. So you can play. You can be competitive, and maybe you don't win those games. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a tough situation when you're looking at overall record and where you're going to finish. Sure. But you know, again, it's going to be week to week. Um, you know, just like everything in this in this pandemic. I mean, you you just don't know what's going to happen. So. You know, let's let's be excited. Look ahead that there's a possibility for a season. Um, you used the word stringent earlier, and I think that's good. I, the more stringent you can be, the better off it is because you're talking about the health and safety of the student athlete. And uh, and you know, let let's go from there. So um, we've still got a we got a little over a month before uh, anything happens on the field. Let's just see if if people can get. The program set up the, the way they need to be to test people, and uh, let's see that uh, the student athletes are following uh, protocol and doing what they're supposed to do. And uh, you know, it, it, here's the opportunity. Now take advantage of it by doing the right thing. Mike, in a weird season like this, uh, especially if it's going to be a close division race, Nebraska is going to need all the help they can get. And it's going to lose one of those big helps because there's not going to be any fans in the stands at Memorial Stadium. That home field advantage is huge for the Huskers. What do you think of that edict that was passed down by the Big Ten saying, nope, no fans in the stands this year? Well, I kind of I understand it from the standpoint of you know not every every school is uh, what you just said is not not looking at it from the same standpoint as what Nebraska looks at it. And uh, and the the fan passion is something to take into consideration when you look at Nebraska when you compare it to some other programs. Now you know Ohio State, Penn State. You're you're talking about you got similar passion. You got big stadiums, Michigan. You got uh, stadiums that are that are large that are going to draw big crowds if you have that opportunity. But uh, you know I don't know about that. I now we still got. I think uh, Ben Sass today tried to get him to there, or, you know, was on record as saying they need to reconsider that. Uh, you know, I think there's that feeling that, uh, hey, the locally, locally you should be able to determine whether or not you have fans. But, but as I said, when this all started, if you're part of a conference, um, you do what the conference says, and that's what the conference decided would be the best thing to do. So um, it's difficult to accept, but, you, again, you don't know um, all the factors and and what would happen if you said you know what you're going to open it up to what um, I think uh, in Nebraska now it's uh, up to capacity but not more than thirty thousand but you have to get it cleared and mm-hmm. I don't know if that includes Lancaster County even um, the state has some guidelines on that too uh, so. It's a complicated thing that would have to be sorted out either way, but the Big Ten right now has ruled that that's the way it's going to be, and I think you have to look at it as, well, the Big Ten has agreed that, uh, you know, we're going to play football. Um, let's, uh, let's accept that and, and, uh, and move forward and see if we can't follow the, 
a guidelines and get to the point where you know teams are able to play eight games each and and get the the plus one and and have a conference champion and maybe that conference champion has an opportunity in the playoffs. I mean, those things are out there for you. Um, let's try to move forward there. And all the games are going to be televised. I mean, that's part of the reason that they're playing on Friday and Saturday, um, so that you have an opportunity to get those games on television. Mike Babcock's with us, uh, Husker Insider for four decades, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Mike, how should Nebraska be remembered in this adventure that is 2020 and the shutdown and then revisit? You're right. You you address this as well, and I think that's right. I don't think Nebraska get near the credit that it deserves here. And and if you know we go back and we look at it, I still don't think anybody has really acknowledged where Nebraska fit into all this. You know, it it, it didn't get to be the right thing to do until uh, Ohio State got involved in it, and then you know now then it's, it's okay, Mike. Yeah, then it's all right, and that, you know that's kind of the way. Uh, things work, I guess. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, people that uh, criticize Nebraska should backtrack a little bit and at least acknowledge that, hey, um, this is what's happening, and and uh, Nebraska had a significant, I think, significant role in getting it to this point. Because, uh, you know, the Big Ten seemed to be fairly resistant to changing anything uh, once the, uh, the original uh, decision was made. Babbers, uh, some final thoughts from you. You've seen a lot of football, a lot of weird seasons. We should be heading into week three. We are not. Instead, we're at least getting a season. Uh, put an exclamation point on this as you've seen it. And is it like anything you've ever experienced covering college football? No, it's not like anything I, you know, that I've covered. And, again, I think, you know, appreciate the opportunity for the experience that you're going to have. Um, whether or not there's fans, whether or not, you know, whatever, the schedule is as many games as you thought it was going to be. You've got something here, and uh, appreciate that. And, uh, you know, again, uh, be concerned that uh, the student-athletes are safe and that the people that are involved are, are uh, following the protocol, and, and uh, that protocol works. Mike, one of the weirder parts of this season, which I think I'm really going to enjoy, is conference championship weekend. You got number one in the West playing number one in the East, as it usually is, but you also have number two playing number two, number three playing number three, and I think that's awesome. And, I mean, I guess it's still time will tell how awesome it is, but I think they should keep that for, I mean, other seasons as well. What do you think? Well, then you've got to change your schedule the way you set it up, so you're going to have fewer. You know, one of the things that, I'll make this quick, but you know you also have to consider that uh, in Nebraska's case, you got to have X number of home games mm-hmm. because of the, the financial consideration there. So if you added something like that, um, then that may take away a home game, or you know that could affect somehow the scheduling in a way that uh, wouldn't be uh, financially uh, uh, a positive for for a program like Nebraska. Babbers, uh, get your, your Oregon Ducks gear ready. It looks like the Pac-12 is going to come running now. Well, yeah, I wonder. I wonder about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't be the, uh, the odd, uh, odd one out if, if, if this comes to fruition. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. That, that's, you know, on top of that, now you've got the air quality and the fires. Yeah, and, it's a mess. 
uh, yeah, that's, it's not just uh, COVID now. So um, I doubt that that's going to be too too conducive to anything. Babbers, take care. Thanks for your coverage and your insight on this. And uh, we'll uh, we'll march forward towards kickoff. Thanks for the time. Be safe, you and your listeners. All right, you too, Mike. Mike Babcock with us. And uh, good stuff from him. Four decades of excellence covering the Big Red. HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Great to hear from Babbers. We'll get uh, Shuey's thoughts and uh, spend a little time on the uh, U.S. Open. That's uh, around the corner. I almost spit my coffee out because fake Urban Meyer is back at it on Twitter. Oh, what's he doing this time? Well, <laughs> there's a still pick of Commissioner Warren from the, uh, the, 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 the Zoom meeting and, and conference call today. <laughs> and it's got Commissioner Warren there in the backdrop of his helmets and bicycle and clock. You know, it's his office setup. Fake Urban Meyer says, breaking news, Minneapolis man found safe. Missing adult alert canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Thank you, fake Urban Meyer. We'll hear from Urban Meyer. Quite a bit of praise for Scott Frost. Also, Commissioner Warren attempted to answer some questions today. You can predict how that went. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network, less than an hour away. We say hi to Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And football is back. Shuey will get into some U.S. Open, but what's football mean to you, and what's it mean to have it back? Thank goodness. (laughs) <laughs> I love watching football. That's always fun to watch, and it's so glad that it's back. So get to watch the Big Red play. That's always exciting. Are you good at, at disguises? And I ask that because if you and I want to go see a game, we may have to blend into the old wood bench uh, in South Stadium. Exactly. So I maybe become somebody's parents for a day. Yeah. Instead of adopting a Husker, the, the Huskers can adopt uh, Shuey. How's that sound? Hey. That might be a new thing to start. I, I think so. And uh, I tell you what, Wilderness Ridge, a great spot to have one, play some golf, and, and watch a little football as well. And, and I know folks will be checking out the deck soon for some football Saturdays. Man, can't wait for it. And, Shuey, what, uh, we don't know the schedule yet. I'm thinking it's going to look like the original schedule, okay? You're just going to punt Rutgers? And and, yeah. and and that'll be uh, that'll be your setup. You're going to have your your six division games, and you'll probably get Penn State, Ohio State. May, maybe not. I don't know. But give me both, man. I, I don't I don't care. I, I mean, I just want to see where Nebraska's at. And it's not like Penn State or Ohio State are, are full strength right now. But are you pretty optimistic about a competitive season for Nebraska? I'm super optimistic. I think they're going to do really well because they got nothing to lose, first of all. It sounds like they've been training as much as anybody, you know, with all the protocol they've had in place down there to keep guys on the field and practicing as much as they can. So I think they're very ready. They're very hungry, obviously. They wanted to play football in the worst way. 
So I think they're probably as prepared, if not more prepared, than a lot of teams. And they got nothing to lose. I mean, it's their chance to go out there and start winning some football games. But to me, it's a no-lose situation no matter what. They're playing, first of all. Mm-hmm. And they can, only, they can only win some games that maybe they weren't supposed to win. and surprise a lot of people. Should we get a switch over to the U.S. Open? It is major time this weekend. And uh, you've got Wingfoot, uh, the venue. Break down for our listeners that, that dream of losing a golf ball there. What's, uh, what's, what are the pros in for? No, it's just going to be flat carnage. <laughs> I mean, those—I mean, those guys are just—they're just going to get eaten alive. It's going to be brutal. They—they they made them go cut the rough yesterday because it was so brutal they couldn't even play out of it. So they made them go cut it some. Jeez, but it's going—it's going to be carnage. When I hear golf dudes say carnage, it just sounds way cooler. It just—it yeah. just does. And when you go to the carnage card. <laughs> it is it is something fierce and, and unapologetic. What do you think Tiger looks like this weekend? Any chance he gets out of his funk? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is anybody's ball game. It's just the guy that can kind of keep his composure, which he can do with, with the best of them, because you're going to make some you – know, you're just going to play a lot of bad holes, not because you played them bad, just because the golf course is that difficult – and they haven't prepared that difficult. So it's a guy who's very seasoned, very composed, that can stay within his game, stay committed to his game for as long as he can, and uh, just kind of get into the right groove. And you just got to hit fairways. You got to hit fairways, and you got to hit greens. And it's it's going to be a ball striker's golf course. It's a big, it's a big, long, tight. With a lot of rough. When they tell you that rough is as tall as an Arnold Palmer, you know you're in trouble. Ooh. So you're gonna need a few, you're gonna you're gonna need a few John Daly's to get through it. It sounds like exactly. So you just I mean you're gonna make bogeys. That's just the way it is, and your birdie opportunities are very far and few between. So it doesn't mean you're not gonna have a guy that gets on a roll and shoots a good round, but they're not gonna do that for four days. It's just too difficult. The course is too difficult. So it's like who can stay patient enough, and then who can kind of get on the right roll at the right time. Mike, I'm not sure if you saw it, but I saw this video going around social media within the past two days, and it was somebody dropping a ball into the rough, uh, and yeah. the ball disappeared. It was absurd. So what, what do you think a winner is going to have to shoot this weekend? Are we looking at even, one under, two under? Yeah, I think you'll get somebody that'll get under par. You might get a few guys that are under par, but not very. You know, if they maintain the course like it is, keep playing like it is, you're going to be, you know, three, four. And there's only going to be a few guys that are really under par. You know, over par will be in the top ten. Okay. Shuey, a lot of attention will be on Phil Mickelson, his return to Wingfoot. That's one storyline. What do you predict for, uh, for Phil? I mean, he's in great shape. He looks pretty good. But he's also old. Older than those young bucks out there, so, and I just, I mean, I don't see Phil being able to sustain for four days. I mean, he'll be okay. You know, I don't, I don't predict him winning. What's your, what's your reaction when players complain about the difficulty of the of the course? Do you hear it as a as a pro, or are you a shut up and play guy? Shut up and play. I mean, everybody's playing the same golf course. It's like doesn't matter if the rough's ten inches or no inches. It's like I hate guys that whine. Just shut up and go tee it up and play. 
I hate guys that whine. I love it. Shuey, give me a win play show. I like Paul Casey. Okay. I, I do like Rory this week. All right. Long and straight, and I think he's going to play decent. And uh, Zach Johnson. All right. About that. Z, ZJ's one of our favorites, man. Love Zach Johnson. You know, the lefties have a good track record at Wingfoot. Mm-hmm. Over the years, three lefties have always finished in the top ten. So I it's got, a left-handed golf course. How about that? I don't know why. It just is. I've, I've got a is. couple of minutes. Have you, uh, have you swung the clubs there before? Yes. It's my favorite golf course of all time. Okay. Is it my number one course on all my lists. Top five hardest you've played? Uh, no, not when I played it, but when they set it up like this, oh, yeah, no question. All right. You've got a 7,500-yard long golf course that has 12-inch rough. Mahoney would be hard for that. No, I, I, I bet. Shuey, <laughs> when can folks come see you out at Wilderness? I know lessons, and I know you got the youth program going, bud. Yeah, I got it going right now. So I'm in a little break doing this and then right back to those guys. Well, good. So we're on the move, man. Well, them uh, them divot dogs, man. Training always happening with That's Mike right. Shuey on training. Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, you take care. Be safe and healthy, and we'll see you out for a Friday. How's that sound? You got it. All right, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. There he is, Mike Shuey, stepping away for a moment from uh, that, that youth training. Man, a little Jedi work going on. Love uh, Shuey, and he's like, yeah, stop whining, shut up and play. And it's probably the hardest course out there right now with the 12-inch uh, rough. And Did you see that video of the, the guys dropping the balls in the rough? I, I started watching it, and then I had horrid flashbacks. Yeah, you just couldn't see the ball. It was ridiculous. me brutally off the tee box, <laughs> losing a golf ball. Quick hour. Uh, we'll hear more from uh, the press conferences today. Some buttes by the commish. Brad Edwards on the way. Jerry DiNardo coming up. We'll wind down hour one at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Yeah, I used to be in my 30s, and this Big Ten process has no doubt aged me. Like fine wine, though, right? We'll lie about that. Reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. Are you moving in 2020? Are you looking for that next home or maybe that best home? And West Blue Realty specializes in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. They'll help make this move smooth for you. And for a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue Realty can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, Tom's awesome. He can take that phone call to find that next home for you at 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's fantastic. 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com. Get an appointment set up or go visit them today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So when you have a teleconference and uh, live questions, non-screened questions, uh, 
you know that there are members of the media that are going to be fed information by Commissioner Warren. That was very apparent through this whole saga. And then there are members of the media that are going to ask some very pointed questions. And, well, uh, our friend from Ohio State that was with Greg Ethan Hooks last week decided to ask the question on everybody's mind, not what changed since August 11th. We know it was health and safety and testing protocols got better. But the communication question. Kevin, um, this is Doug Lamarice. I cover Ohio State. Why was your communication with coaches, players, and parents so poor over the last month? Doug, I appreciate your your question. Uh, From a communication standpoint, um, you know, what, what I tried to do personally and we tried to do collectively is to make sure uh, that when we had things to communicate, that we did communicate. Um, and again, I mean, you know, one of the easy things to do is to be able to turn around and look back and, and say, you know, what was poor, what was good. Um, again, as I said a couple minutes ago, you know, we're, we're, we're in an environment right now where we... I know me personally, I wake up every day trying to be as positive as I possibly can, to do the best I possibly can for as many people that I can touch. And I know, you know, where we are, we have 10,000 student athletes. And and I'll, I'll say this personally, is I really, a lot of the criticism that, that uh, has been, been displayed over the last uh, couple months, you know, it really, I take it as we have a, we, we're, we're passionate. We're passionate in the Big Ten. We have passionate student athletes. We have passionate families. We have passionate fans. And so I take that from a positive standpoint and that we're going to continually do everything we possibly can uh, from not only a, a health and safety standpoint, but from a progressive standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. There are many things that we did learn over the last 40 days and we'll get better. And, uh, and I, I think that's the goal of life is just to make sure that today is better than yesterday And so I appreciate your question. I'm looking forward to a great season. I'm looking forward to some great football and other sports. And and I'm sure at some point in time in the future, we'll turn around and look back and we'll continually be proud of the work that we've put together and the way that we've worked together in a collaborative manner in the Big Ten Conference to get where we are today. The answer should have been, it is a goal of mine to communicate better. Next question. Hour two is on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hanging out, hour two, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider, college football extraordinaire, and college game day. Brad, big day around the Big Ten, a happy day in the state of Nebraska. Folks are smiling in Lincoln. Are you surprised we got here? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not surprised based on where things were at the beginning of the week, but yeah, compared to where things were a month ago, I'm very surprised because ultimately it required uh, a bunch of presidents to reverse course on a pretty important decision they had made in a a very short amount of time. Now, I didn't hear any of them come out today and say that they were wrong. Um, 
But, uh, and, and look, I, I think there's, you could look at both sides of it. There, there are ways in which you could say, yes, they were wrong, and they finally got it right here. And then there are other ways in which, you know, you could say, well, they, they definitely um, had some concerns that were warranted, and there were absolutely some improvements in medical technology that made this more viable than it was before. So I, I, I think there are, there are a lot of ways you could look at it, but uh, whichever way you choose, it looks like they're going to have Big Ten football this fall, and, and you should have a smile on your face. You know, you aren't going to hear the presidents and chancellors say they were wrong, and I don't know that I need to jump up and down and scream for an apology on it because they were trying to err on the side of health and safety. Uh, they were just really quick about it. I think that's what has been frustrating for a lot of Nebraska fans and frustrating in general just to, to be so quick to jump the gun. Zoom out for me when you look at the ACC uh, in Notre Dame, in North Carolina, in Virginia, and the SECs, it's, 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 it's its own animal, and I mean that as a compliment because of, of you know how high level they are uh, on the field. But what, what was so different – when you look at the ACC's process with this, where they never really paused or budged when you compare it to the Big Ten and it taking the long route, the scenic route here to get back to football. <laughs> the scenic route, that's a good way to put it. Um, I, I think that what happened is that when the Big Ten made its decision a month or so ago, whenever that was, they knew the Pac-12 would follow them, and I think they thought that the other three leagues would too. And when the other ones didn't, I think they believed that, well, they'll eventually be forced to go there because it's just not going to work out if they decide to play. And, of course, um, up to this point, they haven't been forced to, to do anything, and they've managed to you know, play a couple weekends of games. So I, I think that that pressure um, of seeing the other teams on the field combined with what's happened internally from – their own players, coaches, and fans combined to create the situation where they didn't, you know, go out and make up a reason to play. But but I feel safe in saying, and, and I'm sure they would dispute this, but but mm-hmm. but I I believe that if not for those other factors, if not for the the pressure that was put on by the complaints internally and by the other teams. Um, continuing to move forward externally, that they probably would not have have pushed uh, in order to get the get to where they are medically right now. I'm not saying the technology wouldn't be there because it probably would have been there either way. Um, but would they have been as quick to embrace it and say, "Okay, we're getting teams back on the field now"? If if, if other teams weren't out there playing, I doubt that that would be happening. Brad Edwards with us, uh, ESPN Insider, College Game Day. Brad, where does Nebraska kind of stand reputation-wise, at least off the field now, from a national perspective, in your opinion, with their role in getting things back to at least, we'll give it a try? Well, I don't think there was any damage done nationally. I mean, any any damage that occurred would have been within the Big Ten, and even then I'm, I'm not sure that the majority of the teams uh, felt like they were in the wrong. And, and I think when 
you know, when Ohio State really started to, I'm not saying the side with Nebraska, but they were certainly more on Nebraska's side than, than the other side. Um, and, and, and when Ryan Day came out as forcefully as he did last week, um, I, I, I think it, it became a lot more difficult for anyone to be upset at Nebraska without being upset at Ohio State uh, for, you know, blatantly pushing back against the conference. And so, um, you know, it is what it is. And I, I would say, look, nationally, they, they probably earn more respect <laughs> than they did within their own conference because I think most of the people around the conference thought that the Big Ten – uh, was making a knee-jerk reaction and shouldn't have reacted as quickly as it did. What's next for Commissioner Warren? Oh, I, I, I think I think everything's just business as usual. I mean, sure, um, his reputation might have taken a bit of a hit, whatever whatever his reputation was for a guy who hadn't been on the job that long. Um, but ultimately, you know, whether he's a good commissioner or not is going to be determined by a lot of stuff that. You know that's yet to happen and will happen in you know, many years to come, uh, more than likely. Uh, but look, even if even if this thing goes sideways and they end up having uh, you know too many positive tests and, and based on the thresholds they set, they're not able to, to play enough games or complete the season or whatever it is. I, I don't think that's a poor reflection on the commissioner. I, I think he just happened to be the guy in charge, and you know the fact that they got this far, I think, saves him a little bit of face. And uh, like I said, the, re- the rest of how he ends up being perceived as Big Ten commissioner is going to be determined by things other than COVID, in my opinion. Brad, you mentioned Ryan Day's comments from last week. And if the Ohio State does end up playing this full eight-game schedule, what do you think their odds are looking like for making the college football playoff? If they go undefeated, could they make it in with some other undefeated teams? I think they get in if they lose one game. Uh, I mean, look, I, I think a one-loss Big Ten champion is getting into the playoff almost certainly. And I know there are going to be a lot of people who are going to take the stance that, hey, they didn't play as many games as everyone else, so you know you can't put them in if they have the same number of losses and someone else who's not a conference champ might have you know, one or two more wins. I don't think that's the way the committee sees it. I, I think that the, the selection committee uh, is, is still – going to give you, you know, bonus points for being a conference champion, and if uh, whether it's Ohio State or someone else, whoever's the Big Ten champion, um, they're going to get a boost for that, that someone else who's not a conference champion um, isn't going to receive. And then, you know, on top of it, I, I think the, the number of games really isn't as important as how good they look in those games. If they're able, you know, to, to dominate enough and beat enough quality teams in that small sample in order to convince the selection committee that they're one of the four best teams, I think they'll be there. And, and certainly the case is helped by the Pac-12, at least for now. Uh, it appears that they won't be out there. So you've got four power conferences, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that an undefeated team from the American is going to have a great case over a one-loss Big Ten champ. And, uh, it, look, it probably comes down to what it came down to a, a few times in, in recent years. Is the champion a one-loss team or a two-loss team? And as long as it's not more than one loss, I, I, I like their chances over an SEC runner-up. So I, I think the Big Ten's in good shape playoff-wise. With, with the, the schedule that's been set up, Brad Edwards is with us. You've, you're going to have your conference championship game, but you're also going to have a, a runner-up division 
game as well, where the number two team in the East will take on the number two team in the West. So let's just say it's Wisconsin-Ohio State playing for the Big Ten title and say you get a Nebraska or Iowa against a Penn State. Could be a rematch, may not be a rematch, but this unique setup, and Barry Alvarez put this together, does it help help the Big Ten situation for maybe, okay, so Penn State or Ohio State don't get a chance to, to win the conference uh, because one has to win, one has to lose. Great. But does this setup here, this December 19th showdown where it's going to be a Big Ten extravaganza, the top two teams, and then the, the next best hook up, could that help position the Big Ten for, for, for better bowl selections, assuming we go that far, or even a, a, an argument for, okay, your, your, your third-place team, how do they look in comparison to some other conference champions? Would, would, would that help uh, the look of the Big Ten and an argument for maybe a second playoff team? I think what it does more than anything, and I think this is the logic behind it, especially with Barry Alvarez having been on the selection committee, uh, he understands how it works, is that if you have a situation where the team that appears to be the best one in the conference loses one game, and that game is in the division, and it keeps them from going to the conference championship game, that team would then have an opportunity to add one more quality win to the resume and get closer to the total number of games that, you know, whatever other teams have that it might be competing against for the final spot. So I can't remember which year it was, but whatever whatever year that uh, Ohio State had, well, I guess it was the year that they got in without winning the league. Um, you know, it was, it was when Ohio State lost to Penn State. Penn State won the conference. 2014, with two losses. Right? 2014, yeah, 2015, something like that. Yep, 16. 2016. Gotcha. 2016. And so, but, but, but in a situation like that, same thing happened the following year with Alabama and the SEC West. They lost one game and they didn't get the conference title. Um, it, it gives them a chance to enhance their resume, where they're not only getting one more win, but it's one more quality win, which is going to make a better case for them in front of the selection committee. So I, I, think, I think that's really what it's about. And I think it's a pretty ingenious idea from a, a playoff perspective, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue it next year because I think any any conference that believes that it has a chance to get two teams in, I, I think it's worth doing. Now, whether it's worth doing all the way down to seventh place, <laughs> having the worst teams in the conference go head-to-head, who knows? But um, from, you know, from the other angle, I, I think it's attractive, and I, I guarantee you, there are TV networks that would rather carry that than the, the Conference USA championship game. So you're telling me you're not buying popcorn for Illinois and, and Rutgers? Probably not. Probably not. But if you know, if you if you give me you know Penn State against uh, you know Iowa or whatever, like mm-hmm. I'll I'll watch that before I'm going to get excited about watching you know. Uh, UAB and and Appalachian State or whatever. So. Sure. Uh, no offense to UAB and Appalachian State, but I, you know the other ones. The other one is probably a, a very solid top twenty matchup. The, you know, number two versus number two in the Big Ten, just about any year, and in some cases it, it might be a top fifteen matchup. Brad Edwards with us uh, talking college football and return to play for the Big Ten ESPN Insider College Game Day. Brad, uh, what what did Notre Dame show you in in their first game back? 
Not much. Um, I mean, they showed me they're better than Duke, and I expected that. But, you know, I think for, for Notre Dame, that's really all they have to do. You know, if, if you look at um, whatever playoff chance they might have, it, it's hurt by having to play Clemson in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And so oh, either they've got to beat Clemson. Well, let's put it this way. They have to beat Clemson once. If right. they're going to get in the playoff, they've got to beat them once. But the most important thing for them is don't lose to anybody else. And it's kind of survive in advance. And so that's kind of the way I look at it with them. Uh, you know, they didn't get a scare from Duke. It wasn't a bad-looking game. Um, but, um, look, I mean, how many teams did look really good in o- week one? Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, their I mean, quarterback looked incredible. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but nobody looked really good that was playing anyone with a pulse. That's, right. That, I mean, that was the, the big thing. Um, and so – I just think that, that you're always going to be shaking the rust off week one to begin with, and when you combine it with everything these players have been through over the last several months, I just I don't think anyone's expecting you know, that someone to look in midseason form right out of the gate. And, um, and Notre Dame was no different. Uh, I'm sure they'll look a lot better moving forward. And uh, the ACC, to me, um, looks like outside of Clemson, you've probably got – five or so teams that are fairly evenly matched. And I think the the race for second place to see who's going to play Clemson in the conference championship game should be pretty fun. Brad Edwards with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, got about a minute left, but now that the Big Ten has announced their plans to return, I think I'm emotionally ready to watch some more college football. So which games are you <laughs> looking forward to this weekend? This weekend is really, really lame. Um, <laughs> a little more, a little more oomph in that response. <laughs> yeah, that was the. Uh, we we do have the two best games on our air, so uh, I, I am looking forward to watching Miami Louisville. Um, yeah. I, I think two really exciting quarterbacks. Uh, that'll be a fun one. And then the under the radar game is is UCF Georgia Tech. I mean Georgia Tech showed that it has a pulse with what it did last week against Florida State. And so I think I think it's going to be a good test for UCF because they're one of those teams that the schedule's there for them to go undefeated. And uh, if they do, um, you know, some people are going to be crying for them to have a shot. And so I think this is a, this is a good game to, you know, for, as a measuring stick to see, okay, how good are they against what's probably a, a lower half of the ACC, but, but not bad ACC team. We'll see. Brad Edwards with us. Brad, have a great weekend, and we'll be watching that Miami-Louisville game and UCF-Georgia Tech game as well. And thanks for spending time with us, man. Good day here in Husker country, and and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for jumping on. Very good day. Excited for you guys. It's going to be fun. All right. Take care. Brad Edwards with us, ESPN Insider. College game day. Love uh, his thoughts on that positive take on Nebraska. We will head uh, to Big Ten land and say hi to Uncle Jerry. Coach Donardo's coming up. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He kicked off Big Ten Network coverage this morning. The coach with us, and Jerry Donardo welcomes, uh, joins us, and we want you to follow him on Twitter, at Jerry Donardo. Coach, uh, an awesome day, but I want to go back to, to Twitter, and my heart broke for you last weekend as there was a picture taken of you without 
Big Ten football. You looked sad. You were told to pace yourself when it came to munchies. But uh, we've got a new day. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm, feel, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, it's been uh, it's been hard on all of us, obviously, especially the student athletes, and I think we're all happy for them. I'm anxious for all the other sports to follow and give uh, give everyone in college who wants to participate in collegiate athletics, whether it's football, volleyball, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. Uh, I look forward to all of them getting back, men and women. How exhausting has this been for you? I don't know about exhausting. You know, it's been, you know, it's been emotional. It's been uh, a roller coaster. But you know, Chris, I mean, I, I have a great job and I really enjoy it. But you know, I, I don't have it. What I don't have a stake. What what the young people have, what sure. the coaches have, what the universities have. So I I, I, I keep in perspective. In fact, you know, I feel I feel more for the high school students, and not only high school student athletes, but the, the high school students that missed their prom last year, or missed their spring mm-hmm. sport, or missed their band, or their glee club, or whatever. To me, that should be every high school student has the ability to participate in some extracurricular activity. In college, you, you know, every day you're involved in the extra activity, you're blessed and. Uh, sometimes that number gets cut short, but it's still been a blessing. So, um, like I say, I, the high school, uh, high school young people have disturbed me more than, than the college. Jerry Donato's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, it's been a long and winding road to, to get uh, things uh, reversed and revisited. Kind of take us through, as you observed, how this played out and not just your level of, of surprise that things got revisited since we last talked, but now your level of optimism moving forward that, I mean, the, the, the policies are super stringent and it's daily testing and there's new medical information. So things are set up to succeed. Uh, but just where do you come at with, with where we're at now and as we can finally see a starting line? Well, you know, I thought today was the opposite of the last Big Ten conference announcement when they announced that we weren't going to play and didn't really message it very well, didn't really give us a lot of information. And then as recently as Saturday, Chris, I'm watching Duke Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, and we have Purdue and Indiana in the same state that's not playing. And to me, that, that was the issue. Not that they were right and we were wrong or we were wrong. And I, I mean, not right or wrong, but why? Why were two schools in the Big Ten watching two ACC schools play in South Bend, Indiana? We never were told why. So today's messaging was just the opposite. We were given a bunch of whys for everything that they're doing. Okay, and to more specific to your question, I find it hard to believe that we'll be uninterrupted. I think we'll hit some bumps, and uh, it, it'll be difficult if we had those extra days earlier mm-hmm. and just kind of moved it back a week at a time. We could be in a little bit better shape. But having said that, I'm thrilled with the decision. But you know, 21 days—you have to sit out 21 days if you're positive, Chris. Am I correct in saying yeah, that? Yeah, it's 21 days, man. 
21 days. 21 days. That's one third of the season. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's 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 crazy. And you have, <laughs> if your team positivity rate is above five percent, you got seven days and no practice and no game. I mean, it, it is it is. You look okay, at you, you look at Nebraska's roster, and okay, I think okay. that's eight I, positive I, tests. Okay, so I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, no, go but for the it. difference about the 21 days and the last messaging is they told us why 21 days. We might not like it. They said because after 14, then you have the next seven days to check the heart out and to get the gotcha. player back and all yeah. that, which may or may not be true, but it's, but it's their belief, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew people were going to jump all over that, and it, it's fair to disagree with the 21 days, but at least, at least we got an explanation why 21 days. So we can agree to be, uh, we can agree to disagree as long as we're not disagreeable. And that's where we are with the 21 days. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback about that. I would say to the people that want to continue to push back, would you rather no football or 21 days? No, you're right, man. And that's kind of where we're at too our, with, with the fan situation. And I want your thoughts on that. You've been to a lot of venues, man, as a road team, or you've been uh, an assistant or a head coach, and I think you being down at Tiger Stadium at night. I mean, just that that juice that's down there. And I was kind of surprised, and again, I'm with you, give me football versus no football, but I'm kind of surprised it wasn't left up to local authorities and health and safety folks to make a decision on on on, on uh, attendance. Are you kind of surprised that the Big Ten kind of went no one's showing up except f- uh, family friends? Uh, well, I, I'm concerned regardless of whose decision it is. Mm-hmm. I, I remember it this way. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I remember m- months ago we were saying, or a lot of people were saying, mostly the administrators on college campuses, you know, the NFL can play uh, with, with, with no fans or fans. The NBA can do whatever they want. But if as a university we're saying no fans, we're saying this isn't a safe environment, but you 17 to 22-year-olds, you guys can play. So right. to me, whether the local authorities made the decision or the conference made the decision, I don't understand how it's okay for the athletes to tackle each other but it's not okay for someone to be in the stands watching the game. Now, I could understand social distancing and, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes sometime managing the amount of fans, but that doesn't sit well with me. And I've, I think a lot of the administrators have, you know, talking out of both sides of their mouth. First they said, no fans, no play, and then the longer this thing went on, and then the first school, uh, you know, Notre Dame, I think, just had family and students and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So... I think it's been an interesting turn of opinion. I agree with you on that. What's your takeaway with Ryan Day's comments, James Franklin's thoughts publicly, and, of course, Scott Frost, very vocal, Nebraska, very vocal. They kept uh, uh, with the pushback, and it wasn't to to be a thorn. It's just what they believed. But you had some pretty high-profile programs uh, kind of follow Nebraska's uh, echo Nebraska's thoughts, uh, and, and it was part of a, a bigger picture along with the, the new medical information, but how do you react to, to what was going on a week ago and, and to our decision now? You know, I, I, think, the, I think the coaches are, are free to say whatever they want to say. I mean, again, I'll use the term 
disagree, but don't be disagreeable. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't take offense to, to any of that. You know, I mean, you know, I think Scott said, you know, if we find some games outside the Big Ten and all that, I thought that was a little far, but he's entitled to his own opinion. I'll say this, Chris. This decision is on the, on the shoulders of the chancellors and the presidents of the Big Ten. If this goes belly up, if this isn't, doesn't work out, I don't blame the coaches. They're representing their teams. I don't blame the athletic directors because they report to the president. This is about 14 people, 14 men and women, saying that we are not putting the students that we are in charge of in harm's way. It's not up to the AD. It's not up to the coaches. So 14 presidents, you've made your bed. You're just going to sleep in it. If this goes good, congratulations. If this goes bad, you know, this couldn't have been done without these 14 unanimous mm-hmm. votes saying it was okay. So presidents, you know, you decided to pay coaches $7 million. You decided to build enormous facilities. And now we're taking out loans because we can't pay our mortgages. Mm-hmm. It's all you. Do you think that this decision today from the presidents and chancellors was them saying, all right, maybe we made a mistake a month ago? Or do you think they, they truly have looked at the information and enough has changed that they're willing to make that change? Uh, you know, it's possible to say, you know, I think it'd be unfair to say that their motives are pure. I, you know, I have no reason to believe that what they have said is the truth. And so... Uh, let's let it play out. And like I say, it, it's the 14 people's decision. And, uh, you know, let's, let's hope it was a good decision. But they're certainly responsible. I, I think we've come, we've come to the realization with how much money is being made and how much money is being lost and how much money is now going to be borrowed. That's college presidents. You know, you might want to take a look at the athletic department line item once in a while. <laughs> Pay attention to the other side of campus. No, I got you. Jerry DiNardo's with us. Coach, last thought, you've coached a long time. You've got to ramp up here, and you can't start hitting until September 30th because of the, the testing protocols, and, and that probably drives some coaches nuts. How would you go about it? I got about two minutes here. How would you get your your, your kids ready? I mean, it's it's impressive to to think that we can get football going here, but you got to be ready for contact. And a lot of programs haven't had contact since Thanksgiving. Some some anyway. Chris, did you take part of my two minutes, or do I have two minutes from now? I did not mean to take. You have a minute now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'll talk fast. So, so let's let's look at the problem. Blocking and tackling, right? It's the yeah. only thing that you can't really practice during the off season and so on and so forth. Okay, so who needs to block and who needs to tackle the most? Well, the linebacker who's taken two thousand reps over the last two years probably needs to tackle a little bit live, but mostly on drills and, and sleds and so on. The young linebacker who's maybe played five hundred snaps the last two years, you've got to ramp it up. A little bit. So blocking and tackling has to be addressed, but it has to be addressed individually because we can't afford to get our best players, our most experienced players hurt. Special teams. All the games that I've watched so far, special teams will bite you in the butt because you usually take spring practice, preseason camp, and you work on all the special team situations. Not the obvious, not the kickoff and the kickoff return, but maybe the, the defending the block punt or faking a punt or all the things that might only happen two or three times a year. Everyone's got to be cross-trained, right? In the NFL, they have eight offensive linemen. They all know how to play all three 
positions. In college, you usually have 15, you're three deep with scholarships on the offensive line at Nebraska. It's probably 20, probably 20 deep, right? So how do we get the guard to learn tackle? How do we get the tackle to learn guard? The guard, I say to the guard, you learn center and guard. You right tackle, you learn, you learn right mm-hmm. tackle, left tackle, you, you learn right tackle, right guard. So you have to cross-train because we're going to have positives. Our depth is going to be effective. And the more flexibility we have by position, who's your third string quarterback? I mean, if a, one quarterback is tested positive and you have three in the meeting room, they're all done for 21 days, I'm guessing. And mm-hmm. so maybe there's a defensive back or a wide receiver that you have to train as a quarterback. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you have to do in a short period of time. If you go into the season as a tired team because you've overtrained, that's coaching malpractice. So you can't beat them up, but you've got a lot of ground to cover. Just like I only had two minutes to cover all this, you got to cover it fast, and you have to be efficient. You nailed it. Coach, appreciate you much. Thanks for the time today. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Chris. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. And uh, tis youth sports season. Junior's doing some ball, and I know soccer and football are in full swing. And you know what? It's it's never a comfortable conversation, but it's a, it's a real conversation. And Dr. Brandon, let's get into some youth injuries, specifically AC. ACLs and knee injuries are brutal no matter the age, but if they happen at such a young age, man, that can be difficult. What's uh, what's your, your thought with just the age range you're seeing some ACL issues potentially here this this fall season? I would definitely say, especially over the last couple of years, and the, you know, the national statistics would say this as well, is the, the number of kind of youth ACL injuries has, has increased exponentially over the last several years. Um, you know, we talk about ACL, the, the, the terms that it's an anterior cruciate ligament, which essentially is the main kind of supporting structure in the front of your knee that stops the, the tibia and the femur from basically shifting forward on one another. Um, obviously, you hear about a lot in our, our college and collegiate athletes, but we're seeing a lot more of these in, in young patients. And in particular, as I say, young patients, what does that mean? I would put that number probably around under 16 uh, would be kind of where we see that. Uh, but we're definitely seeing a big kind of run up in the numbers of patients under 16. In fact, a lot of kind of 13, 14-year-old young athletes with ACL injuries. Um, obviously, a, it can be a very devastating injury, especially when you're talking 13, 14 years old. That's a significant injury to have at that age group. Um, and essentially, again, as we've talked before on the show, how do these things occur? You know, typically, it's a non-contact injury. The foot is planted. Somebody goes to rotate or turn or twist. And that causes undue stress on the ligament, and then obviously the, the tear occurs. Um, the big issue there is, you know, one, just the age of the individual. Obviously a young person, younger than 16, have an ACL tear, significant trauma to the knee that does set them up for, you know, potentially having some significant future issues with their knee at such a young age. Um, the other thing that always concerns us, too, would be other, you know, confounding injuries, such as meniscus tears, cartilage injuries. Those types of things do occur in that age group as well, not to the same number as our older population, but it does occur, and that can be really devastating. So we're seeing more of those. You know, the big thing is, you know, why is that number going up would be the big question. And obviously, you know, are there things we can do to help cut down on that number? And those are some big questions being asked and where a lot of the research is kind of pointing to at this point. 
Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking youth ACL injuries. Is there more of a, a prevalence in soccer or football or fall baseball? I mean, are you seeing it in, in, in fall hockey? I mean, tell me where maybe it's popping up more so than others. I know you mentioned it's it's a lot of times non-contact. Yeah, I would say, you know, still foot, in, this, in this region, football and uh, soccer would probably be our predominant levels we see it in. Um, in particular, our, our young male athletes would be more kind of on the football side and our young uh, female athletes would be more kind of on the soccer side where we see these injuries happen. Um, not super common in baseball, uh, but definitely I've seen much higher numbers in, in those sports in particular. When you talk about kids under 16, you've got that window where a lot of growth spurts are happening. Uh, kids are, 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 are developing. And does that, does that trick some growth plates? Does that mess with uh, some, some physical development of some of the kids if they, if they do have an ACL in that window, that 12 to 16 age window? Yeah, great question. You know, that, that's obviously the big issue would be you know, the growth plates. Growth plates at that point in that age under 16 um, are still open in most athletes. So then the issue becomes you know, just one, the injury itself. You know, does that potentially cause growth plate trauma? The potential is there, but there's not a lot of great studies that would show that just having the ACL tear itself without the surgery side of it, does that cause growth plate issues? And then that's not a high number. It's very low. It's very rare for that to happen just from that injury in particular. Unless you start to add in the other things like maybe a leg, like an LCL or MCL injury on top of it, that might injure the growth plate. Where that issue really comes into play, though, would be on the surgery side of things. That's always a big concern is when you fix an ACL, meaning you have to kind of recreate the ACL, you reconstruct the ACL in the process of doing so. In a traditional way of doing an ACL, you have to cross through the growth plate when you have to make these tunnels to bring the graft through. And so there's been kind of two camps on this. The traditional camp has say, hey, it's okay to go ahead and do that as long as you're putting you know, what we call a soft tissue graft, such as like a hamstring graft through there, as long as you're not putting bone through the growth plate. That's an okay thing to do. And really the, there has not been a high number of growth plate injuries with that surgery itself. The other way of doing this is another technique where you don't actually go through the growth plates to put the ACL in there, and it works okay. The, the results of that are not as good. Um, the long-term dur- durability of that graft is not as good, and so I would tell you that most folks that do a lot of ACLs um, are not doing it that way. They're doing it a more traditional way uh, with a way of using a soft tissue graft across the growth plates with using fixation points that are along the side of the bone and don't actually violate into the growth plate. And so that technique's very successful. Um, we've kind of proven over time also that in these young kids, it used to be the old adage was, well, if they're of a certain age, growth plates are open, wait until the growth plate's closed to fix the ACL. Lots of studies have shown if you do that, and those kids continue to play and do sports, and they really beat up their knees because now they have an unstable knee and they're not going to stop doing sports so it's better to fix them even at a very young age fix their acl they do better long term and so that's really kind of the the main kind of mindset in most of the sports sports docs out there taking care of these young injuries what's the the rehab like for kids uh, of that age range uh, that demo 12 to 16 how's the recovery and how's the functionality post-surgery to kind of get back to their original form from a rehab perspective you know they're so young they heal so fast and so really they, they progress very quickly with rehab after those first couple of weeks when you look at a total duration of rehab with them with their young age we really do try to push these athletes you know further down the road in terms of that return to play number that number that's typically 
probably out there for most of our high school collegiate athletes is more kind of in that six to eight month time frame. Obviously, it used to be shorter, and we found out going shorter than that tends to have even a higher rate of re-injury. And so we tried to push a little further down. You're seeing that pendulum even swing further that direction, maybe eight, nine months, maybe a year is the right answer. Obviously, you look at your NFL athletes and, and, AC, and uh, major league athletes, and they're pushing them out a whole year with those big franchise players from the ACL. So I try to get these athletes to you know, put in their mind that it's probably better to go eight or nine months, maybe even a year at this young age. Um, obviously, something we talk about with the family and it really depends on you know, how quickly you recover. Um, you know, a big thing that's part of this, though, is part of that recovery process. But it's also something that we've tried to incorporate even in our young athletes who have not had an ACL injury is how do we fix their biomechanics? Because that, no doubt, plays a big role in why some of our youth athletes are having more ACL tears is how do we make their biomechanics better? And so you'll hear about these things called ACL prevention programs or landing programs that really look at how our young athletes, when they're jumping or taking off in a certain direction, where their knee is at in space with relation to where their foot is at in space. And if you watch a lot of our youth athletes, you'll see as they go to take off or jump or land, their knees kind of come together and their feet kind of slide out to the side. And so really biomechanically, they're putting themselves at risk of tearing their ACL. And so those programs, number one, you definitely want to use them after an ACL to improve a patient's biomechanics. But number two, we're really pushing to get our younger athletes into these kind of ACL prevention programs before they have the injury, which can make a big difference, especially our young female athletes, because they're more prone to that just because of the kind of their anatomy and the shape of their pelvis puts them more at risk for that, especially our, you know, our younger soccer basketball players. And so those are some things we're trying to do that I think will make a difference. Obviously, this discussion has to include something about, you know, what is the volume of games and activities you know, these youth are doing. Fatigue, the amount of uh, activities they're doing probably plays a role in this as well um, in terms of the number of injuries we're seeing also. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the time today. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, your Wednesday with Hail Varsity. Good stuff from Coach DiNardo. Some great insight. And uh, Brett Edwards with ESPN was with us. Mike Schuart, Mike Babcock also joined us. We had some thoughts on Big Ten football returning. Great, great day in the state of Nebraska. Let's make sure things move forward here for a uh, return to play uh, October 24th. Get to your emails. Uh, more of those tomorrow. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence. And uh, that's how you can get in touch with us tomorrow on the show. Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke, and uh, Coach Gary Barnett will uh, be with us. You know, I, uh, I'm i optimistic that things will move forward, I think. And, and Coach Donardo really put it into brass tacks, and that is it's a third of the season if you test positive for COVID. So with daily testing, are you going to be able – to steer clear of it you'll you'll have the result but think about that yeah what scared me was whenever he mentioned the well if one of your quarterbacks test positive you think most of the room's then gonna have it yeah and that's terrifying right that's absolutely terrifying i didn't think about it like that i mean it's so easy to think oh yeah we had you know 
our left tackle mm-hmm. test positive, and he's got to go down. But we got a backup left tackle. But it's 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 weird to think you're all in the same scary room. scary to think. Yeah, all in the same room. What happens when you got a, a linebacker playing quarterback? What happens when you got a defensive black back pain running back? Just like high school, <laughs> could be a fun season. Well, that's all I'm saying. Th- I think it'll be great, and I think that the fact you get that plus one going December nineteenth, no matter where you get slotted, it's an extra game. See, I- I'm hoping that like if if like say all the quarterbacks go down, maybe they'll do the walk on trots like they did last year for the kickers. I'm I'm warming up the old arm, you know. Well, make sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, you're a tackle. Oh, I've lost weight since. No, then. I know, but could you ever throw? No. <laughs> no, it's, you were, it's why you were tackling. That's why you I'm going to warm up the old arm. <laughs> warm up the old, the old arm to hand off. Uh, reminder, about uh, 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska. They involve an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working every day to stop it before it becomes an issue with either injury or someone dies. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink... Designate a sober driver or get that ride share figured out. Get a ride. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Elijah, what do you got rocking tonight? Uh, Are you still smiling about your nuggets? I am still smiling about my nuggets. I watched the end of that last night. That was impressive. How they just kind of put out uh, the Clippers like they were a smoky treat. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined for zero points in the fourth quarter. Paul George is 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 really nice and he's super talented but he's completely a complimentary player. And I don't think he understands that. He thinks he's still the guy. So it, it's going to it's going to take him a while to to get away from this way off P name that he's earned himself now. But you don't give yourself a nickname. Well, he called himself Playoff P. And I, I know, know, but way George, off P? George Costanza, I mean, that's a George Costanza move of giving yourself your own nickname. I mean, it doesn't go that way. Someone gives you and assigns you a nickname. And that's why they got bounced. They're talking all that trash, and now they're getting bounced, and the Nuggets are playing the Lakers. It's a beautiful day. Nuggets played great ball. They are fun to watch. They share it. Nikola Jokic is the best center in the league. Well, his touch passes are incredible. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, keep smiling. Football is back. Thanks for spending time with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.